it's hard to stay awake in church. Raise your little hand. <laughs> I know. It's sleepy. It's, it's overcast outside. I'd rather be asleep somewhere or I'd rather be sleeping while I'm watching a John Wayne movie. <laughs> Am I the only person that does that? I sit there with a remote in my hand watching the John Wayne movie snoring and the kids come to try to get the remote. I said, I'm watching that. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I've been there. <laughs> well, help your neighbors stay awake this morning. I'm going to try to be brief <clears throat> and uh, try to be interesting enough to keep you awake. So if you want to, uh, turn in your word to Mark chapter 5. And we're going to have it up here so you can watch it up there. But I always like to check up behind. I mean, I could, I could put anything up there, couldn't I? Always check up behind your preachers and make sure that they're preaching the truth. Nod your little head. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> anyway, we're going to start. We're going to talk for a few minutes this morning. And I'm going to do my best to keep it a few minutes. Here, let me get this out so I can make sure. We're going to do our best to keep it to a few minutes. Talk about the next versus the now. The next versus the now. Okay. Before we get started, let's pray. Can we pray? Everybody pray for me because I need it. Father, we love you and we just thank you for the privilege to come to your house, to study your word together, to hear from you. We thank you for each and every one that's here. Give us ears to hear and hearts to receive and minds to comprehend what you have for us today. Help me to say that which you'd have me to say. That and nothing more. Let the preacher come. Let the teacher come. Let us do what you'd have us to do this morning. Everybody say amen. amen. Now, keep your neighbor awake. Punch him every now and then. <clears throat> it's okay. You can do that. Okay. We're going to start with Mark. Uh, verse 21 uh, it says, When Jesus had crossed over again in the boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him. And so he stayed by the seashore. One of the synagogue officials named Jairus came up and on seeing him fell at his feet and implored him earnestly saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her so that she will get well and live. And he went off with him and a large crowd was following him and pressing in on him. Now let's set the scene. Let's stop right there. We're going to set the scene. Jesus had been on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. If you read the previous verses, the previous chapter, you'll see that when he was over there, uh, he, they had gone across, they had traveled across, and, and uh, that's when he was asleep in the boat, and the storm came up, and they were afraid. All the disciples were afraid. They had Jesus sleeping in the boat. Jesus wasn't afraid. He was down there sleeping. Can you sleep through the storm? That's another sermon. If you've got Jesus in the boat, you can sleep through the storm. Okay? But he was asleep, and they were afraid, and so they woke him up, and he said, what are you afraid for? You know, he said, and he stood up and said, peace be still. Basically, if he was going to say that in today's vernacular, he would stand up in the boat and say, shut up already. Right? And so, and, and the storm, and, and the disciples marveled that he had control of the weather because he told the storm to shut up, and it did. And so they got across, and when they crossed the sea, he was over there, and that's when the, the man with the, with the demons came, the, the, the demoniac came, and he cast the demons out. They went into the pigs, and they run into the sea, and the guys keeping the pigs were upset. What were those good little Jewish boys doing keeping pigs anyway? 
That's another sermon. <laughs> okay, we'll preach that sometime. Anyway, but then so they got in the boat, and they were coming back where they started from. And so when they got to the seashore, they didn't gather seashells. They got to the seashore. He got out, and there was a big crowd. Wherever Jesus went, there was a crowd. That's another sermon. Wherever Jesus goes, there ought to be a crowd. Come on. <clears throat> but the large crowd gathered. And so while they were there, he stayed by the shore because basically he couldn't get anywhere else. And if he was at the seashore, they couldn't get around behind him unless they wanted to swim or get in a boat. So he was there at the shore. When, when he was there at the seashore, Jairus came uh, up to and ask, had a request of him. Now, I want you to understand, Jairus was a leader in the synagogue. Now, Jesus was not very popular with the religious synagogue people because he was a rebel. He had, started a, he had started a revolution. He was teaching things that the people in the synagogue were, didn't approve of, like women had equal rights. He touched lepers and healed them. I mean, he was teaching things that they didn't approve of. So uh, it was very unpopular. So when Jairus approached Jesus, he was risking political suicide because he went and asked Jesus for help. But that's okay. He, wanted, he knew that Jesus was the answer to his problem. So he approached Jesus because what would he, it was his little daughter that was 12 years old and she was about to die. What would you do if you had a 12-year-old daughter or granddaughter that was about to die? You'd go seek out anybody you could that could come and help that daughter, right? So he knew the reputation that Jesus had about healing the sick and raising the dead. And so he went and approached him. Jesus is the answer to every question. Jesus is the answer to every question. All you have to do is ask. And guess what? He asked, and what did Jesus do? He said, yes, okay. All right, so that's the scene. Let's go to uh, verse 25. It says, a certain... So Jesus decided to go. He followed him, Right? He followed Jairus. He was headed out through the crowd. He was going to Jairus' house. So Jesus had a mission. He was headed to where he needed to be next. Okay? Verse 25. A certain woman, underline that certain, a certain woman who had had a hemorrhage for 12 years and had endured much at the hands of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was not helped at all. How many have been there? You spent all you had at them doctors, and they ain't did nothing for you yet. It spent all she had and was not helped at all, but rather had grown worse. After hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak. For she thought, if I just touch his garments, I will get well. Immediately the flow of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Immediately, Jesus, perceiving in himself that the power proceeded from him, had gone forth, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? Now, Jesus was on a mission to go to his next. The next place he had to be was at Jairus' house because he had a sick daughter. And so he was on a mission to go to the next. That's where he was. But let me tell you, don't focus so on the next, that you fail to see the now. We'll say that again. Go to that slide. Don't focus so on the next, 
that you fail to see the now. He was focused on his next, and it was important for him to be there. It was important because there was a sick girl that needed to be healed. And it was important because Jerry said, come to him risking political suicide. And so he had to honor that request from Jerry to go to that next. But he wasn't so focused on the next that he failed to recognize the now that was at his feet. Everybody get that? The lady needed a miracle. But Jesus don't get focused so focused on his next that he fails to see the noun that's around him. In Mark 10, we read about Jesus on a mission to go to the, the, his next. He was on a mission to go to the temple. He was on a mission to go to the synagogue. But he was stopped. He saw the now of the blind man. Even though his next was to be at the synagogue, he saw the blind man and he stopped to take care of his now. You get that? All right, slap your neighbor and say, wake up. In John, he stopped for Peter as he was crossing the sea. You read the story in, in John when, when he sent the disciples across the sea, and he stayed back, and they went across the sea, and then Jesus went walking on the water, and they thought it was a ghost. And Peter, and they said, oh, they're afraid it's a ghost. He said, don't worry, guys, it's just me, and he kept on. He was, he was on the way to his next across the sea. He had already sent the disciples across to their next too. But he was on the way to his next across the sea. But they stopped him. And so he saw the now that they needed to have verification that it was him. Don't get so focused on your next in your life that you fail to see the now that's for you right now. Does that make sense? So he turned around and he said, who touched me? Now get this picture there's a crowd. Have you ever been to a parade or Mardi Gras or a football game when everybody's trying to get out? There's a crowd, and you're standing shoulder to shoulder, front to back, pushing and shoving. You feel like a bunch of sardines. That's about like it was there with Jesus. All the crowd was around him. The press was around him. And he said, who touched me? I can imagine his disciples saying, everybody touched you. Are you awake this morning? <laughs> Everybody touched you. And, and get, but I want you to understand this lady. She was in the crowd and needed help. And so she knew that if she just touched him, that she could be made whole. So he said, who touched me? Let's go to Mark 31. And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing in on you and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see the woman who had done this. But the woman, fearing and trembling of where what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Once you understand, the woman was afraid for her life because she was unclean. And it was against the law for her to even be around other people because she was in the state of being unclean. That's the Jewish law. She could have been stoned to death right there. So she was afraid when the rabbi, not only was she not supposed to touch anyone or be around anyone, but she touched a holy man, a rabbi. And so she was very uh, in peril of losing her life right then because she could have been stoned because she had violated the Jewish law. So the next point is here, don't let the circumstance of your situation dictate the status of your solution. 
Don't let the circumstance of your situation dictate the status of your solution. She knew she had to be healed, and she knew he was the, win, the man that could do it. She had, and so she didn't let her circumstance. What was her circumstance? She was unclean. But she knew the solution was in the crowd. And she knew it was against the law for her to be in that crowd, but she, knew, she was really willing to risk her life. She was willing to do anything to reach the solution to her problem. That makes sense. Everybody nod your little head. <laughs> So I, I can just imagine, you've got this crowd. Now this woman has spent all of her money, and apparently she had been a woman of means, if you read the other scripture. Apparently she had been a woman of means, but she had spent every penny she had going to different doctors, and none of them were, were able to help her. Now I'm not speaking against doctors. Doctors have done wonderful things. All healing comes from God. Sometimes it comes through doctors and medicine, and sometimes it's miracle. Can we agree on that? Jesus himself said, the sick need a physician. Right? But those doctors didn't know what they were doing and they couldn't heal what she had. But she knew the answer to her situation was Jesus. The solution to her problem was Jesus. So she had to get to him. I can just imagine this crowd. This woman was weak. She had had a hemorrhage for 12 years. You can imagine she was probably anemic. Right? And so she was probably weak. So I can just see her on her hands and knees crawling through the crowd because the Bible says she touched the hem of his garment, the bottom of his robe. And so to touch the bottom of your robe, you can't be standing up here like this. You got to be crawling. I can imagine she was crawling through so she could get through the crowd unnoticed. She was probably kicked, stepped on, pushed around and shoved, probably dirty. But she knew she had to reach Jesus. She was that desperate. She did what she had to do to reach Jesus. How many have been that desperate to reach the solution? To reach Jesus. When you get desperate enough, you're going to do whatever it takes to reach the, the, the solution to your problem, which is Jesus. He's the answer to every question. Does that make sense? So there she was. She went through the crowd, and she touched Jesus. And then when he saw, when he felt power leave him, he said, somebody touched me, and she admitted to it. She said, it was me, knowing full well that she could have been stoned right there. She admitted to the master that she would, and she didn't let her economic situation, she didn't let her legal situation, she didn't let her fear of peer pressure or fear of retribution or fear of failure or fear of rejection or fear of anything, she didn't let fear keep her from reaching her solution. We shouldn't let fear of anything keep us from reaching out to our solution which is Jesus Christ. Everybody say amen. We need to get to the master. So she admitted to him, and in verse 34, and I'm winding down. I told you I'd be short. In verse 34, he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. I want you to get this. In the verses preceding this, she was called a certain woman. They called her a certain woman. She was pointing to this woman. This woman. The world referred to as a certain woman or this woman. But Jesus called her 
daughter. You get the significance? The world called her certain woman, but Jesus called her daughter. So here's the third point. Don't accept the world's label when Jesus calls you daughter. The world may call you a lot of things. They're going to label you for what they see or what they think of you. They may call you sick. They may call you oppressed. They may call you an addict. They may call you depressed. They may call you inferior. The world may call you unworthy. The world may call you hopeless. The world may call you worthless. The world may call you undesirable. The world gives you a lot of labels. But I'm here to tell you, you don't have to accept the labels that the world gives you when Jesus calls you daughter. Jesus calls you son. Jesus calls you child of God. Jesus calls you part of the family. Don't accept the world's labels because that's not who you are. You're a child of the Almighty God, the King Most High. You're the first and not the last, the head and not the tail. You're blessed beyond the curse because His promises endure. Right? Don't accept the labels the world calls you when Jesus calls you child of God. Three points. Write them down. Don't focus on the next that you fail to see the now. Don't get so preoccupied on what's coming up next that you fail to see what's going on around you right now. A lot of times we miss things because we're so focused on what's coming next. Our mission, what's next. We need to be aware of what's going on now. Point them to don't let the circumstance of your situation dictate the status of your solution. Doesn't matter where you're at. Doesn't matter what's going on. Don't matter how you got into that mess, even if you got there yourself. We blame the devil on a lot of things that we do to ourselves. We know that Jesus is the solution. And don't let our circumstances keep us from going to that solution. The third point. Don't accept the world's labels when Jesus calls you daughter, child of God, part of the family of God. Amen. Very short, very simple, very to the point. I want you to take those things this week. I want to ask our staff to come up here. We're going to do something a little different maybe. Brother, Pat, Brother Pastor, Brother, Brother Jared, prayer leaders, come on. The woman didn't let anything keep her from getting to the solution. Right? What's our solution? Jesus is our solution. Whatever you need this morning, Jesus is the answer. If you if you have fallen into any of these circumstances, I want you to come up here and let these let these people help you pray. We're just going to help you reach heaven for your solution. You can stand in front. If you're, if you're sick, if you got a physical need, let's come get prayer. Guess, is, guess who's the answer to that physical need? If you got a financial need, guess who can solve that financial need? If, if you've got a spiritual need, guess who can solve that spiritual need? Anything you need this morning, Jesus is the answer. Sometimes you have to get out of your comfort zone and go to the Master. Now, 
I'm not saying these people are Jesus, but they'll help you pray. Okay? So we're going to have them sing something for a minute. Just And, and everybody stand. Make it a little bit easier. Why don't everybody stand? If you've got a situation that you need help reaching your solution, why don't you come forward this morning and let one of these people help you pray. Okay? Don't give in to peer pressure and not come. If you got a need, you know the solution. Do what it takes to get there. Go ahead and let's pray. Father, we just love you and we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that you're the answer to our every need. We thank you that you sent your son Jesus as a solution to all of our problems. We ask you to speak to our hearts this morning and help us see our need and help us meet you for the solution to that need. If you got a need, come on forward and let's pray.